welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Byrne. Each episode, we discuss a question we're commonly asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what if I feel like a failure? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both love the ocean. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I don't like snorkeling. But, Charlie, I have something to tell you. That's a lie. I like snorkeling. <laughs> really? I knew you would if you went. It's, you just got to get, like, the nice, like, once you figure out the snorkel, it's really nice. Yeah. So this is what happened. I went snorkeling once in Florida, like, in the open ocean, like, 10 years ago. It was awful. In Florida? No. Yeah. Mask filled with water. No offense to anyone from Florida. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. I hated it. Drake lost water. Terrible. Went in Hawaii. Same thing. Did not work. Really? Yeah. Went, uh, so right now, I'm on the Caribbean island of Bonaire, um, which has some of the best snorkeling and scuba diving in the world. And so I went, and it was so terrifying. The water was, like, pushing me towards all this coral, and I was getting water in my mask. I was like, this is awful. I'm not a strong swimmer. And then I tried snorkeling without the snorkel, just like with the goggles on. That was way better. But I had to come up for air all the time, and that was tiresome. And then, <laughs> then my friend, Joey, who I'm here with, uh, told me that the mask looked too small for me, that my nose was like, <laughs> didn't fit in the nose guard or whatever. You got a beak. So I have a, <laughs> an adult mask on, but my nose was too big. I also got a mask on that fit, and it like suctioned right. It was amazing. And so we went snorkeling yesterday. It was awesome, and I loved it. So now I guess I like snorkeling. But when we set up this similarity difference, I did not. Well, that's really exciting. I don't really snorkel anymore because I got scuba certified. So most of the time I just dive. Um, and also, as we're talking about it, like, I do love the ocean, but it's also terrifying. What? Like, the ocean is so scary. Because? As a whole. Just like, have you ever, like, swam out far in the ocean? No, I'm smarter than that. Oh, it's very scary. I always do it to get like a little rush. What the curse? You die. <laughs> no, I'm a strong swimmer. I was lifeguard. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a strong swimmer. I was never taught how to swim properly. I've never taken a swim lesson. Like I can swim, but I'm not a strong swimmer. I should so. give you swim lessons. Let's do it. <laughs> we like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives, and today we're joined by Joey Shepherd. Hello. So tell us hey about Joey, you. welcome to the podcast. Hi, how's it going? Great, Joey. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, yep, I'm Joey. Pronouns they them. Um, identify as queer, gender queer. Um, I identify as currently active in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Saints, but um, I also say that I leave the church every week. I just somehow ended up back in church on Sunday. Um. I um, really love the ocean. It is really freaky at times as well. Um, but I live here on Bonaire now. Um, Do you live there? Yeah. Like, like that's your home now? That is my home for the next year, yes. Wow, what are you doing there? I'm house-sitting for good friends of mine that are traveling the world. So, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... Anyways, um, and um, yeah, I just finished my master's at BYU, and I deferred my PhD for a year, so um, I can spend more time. What is my millennial phrase I keep saying? Um, reconnect with God, myself, and those I love for the next year. So yeah. Um, and uh, professionally, I um, do research. I'm not a therapist. If you want a therapist, you can go to Ben or Charlie. Um, but I do research that hopefully can support the work that they do. I probably research um, religious parents who have questioning, like LGBTQ questioning children. And yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And Joey and I have been on Bonaire together for the last two weeks almost. And we have had so many adventures and so many chats and so much gelato. So. Yes. <laughs> There's gelato in Bonaire. Yeah. So Bonaire is technically part of the Netherlands. It's part of the Caribbean mm -hmm. Netherlands. So there's that's... a lot of, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's like, it's like Guam is to the U S. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
All right, fantastic. Um, so yeah, Joey and I have been on Bonaire for the last two weeks and we're in the same house right now, but in different rooms. You could be on different Wi-Fi's and I'm in the room I'm staying in, which is like a tween girl's room. So if I turned my computer around, you would see like Brad's dolls. And there's a there's a mirror in here that says, shut up, you look good. And it's been <laughs> good all week. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Uh, also awesome. lots of Harry Potter paraphernalia in here, so. Great, great stuff all around. All yeah. right, well, let's get to the topic. So, Joey, tell us why this topic of feeling like a failure is something that you want to address on the podcast. Well, I guess it's because I sometimes feel like I am. So I, I feel like this is a question that um, I have felt but not thought of at times, and I've never, like, thought to send it into the podcast because it's not something that I felt, like, could be answered because it's just something that I feel at times. Um but I have this suspicion, you both are therapists, so you probably know better than me, um, that a lot of people feel this way. And um, I think there's power in discussing things that we feel but don't feel we can talk about. So um, especially in the realm of being queer and a member of the church, I think there's a lot of aspects that I feel like I'm feeling. And I'm sure a lot of people um, feel that too. So yeah are you comfortable with me asking some questions about that yeah sure <laughs> um well i first of all i think it's really brave to even like say that i can tell this is a vulnerable thing um i'm curious you said there's like some aspects with being queer and being a member of the church that like make you feel like you're failing could you share some of those aspects yeah sure um I don't know. I thought by coming out with pronouns and um, wearing clothes that I felt were more comfortable with my identity and who I am as a person um, would be helpful. And it has been helpful in a lot of ways. Um, I also think that like recently, like I started going back to the temple again and I've been much more active in church than I ever have been. It's a little hard not to be when I live on an island where I served as missionary and I know all the members and they're like, hey, why aren't you at church? We don't care if you're queer, you know. Um, but like even on so just on paper, like I just graduated from BYU. I got two degrees in six years. I have a PhD I'm going to next year. Um, I had my temple recommend and went back to the temple first time in a long time. Um, I'm still struggling to feel like sometimes I have a place and more than that, I'm not sure I still love the temple. Like I can go now, but I'm not sure I feel there all the time. I still have questions about the church. Um, right now, like there's a member who really wants me to be in the brunch presidency. And I don't know how I feel about that. Cause that's a very like gendered calling and I struggle with the genderedness of the church um, for me personally. And um, so I feel like even though I've been progressing and becoming more of myself, it's also opened opportunities for me to like fail and mess up as well. Yeah. Joe, as, as you've heard other people talk about you know, their experiences being uh, LGBTQI saints, what other experiences of, of failure have you heard people talk about? Well, I think... Um, some that come to my mind is um, like I've tried dating before and I failed at that. Like dating is hard if you're gay or straight, it just sucks. <laughs> um, I, you know, even becoming more myself, I've struggled to still make connections and feel like myself more of the time. Um, I've worked with a lot of parents and I feel like a lot of parents feel like they're failing as parents either because they have a queer kid or because their queer kid isn't going to church or they are going to church but they don't like church or or whatever being the reason um and i was thinking about it and i think in some aspects like i am failing in some ways um but it's through those failures that like i've come closer to god and like what does it say in alma like that i wasn't forced to be humble or something like that. Right. But I've been really lax on my scripture study for a while. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just, it's hard to tell myself this, but I think for other people, um, especially like the parents that I work with, like 
you're doing better than you think you are. Like, for example, you're talking to like me, like I'm not a parent, but I am a queer person. I'm a child. And as a child, I would say like, you're doing better than you think because you're here right now. And I think that goes also for like, if you're queer and in the church and, or you're out of the church and you're listening to this and you're just trying to figure out what to do. Like the fact you're like listening to this podcast means that you're trying and you're doing better than you think. At least, um, that's what's on my mirror. Like, shut up, you look good. I'm like, no, like you're doing better than you think. <laughs> I, I do like that very much. You know, Joe, when, when you said, you know, we should, we should talk about this on the, on the podcast, I was thinking, um, I don't really feel like this isn't something I experience. I like feeling like I, I'm a failure. Like I, I try really hard, do my best. And of course, sometimes I fail things and I'm like, oh, I wish I'd done that better. But I usually feel pretty good and have a pretty good sense of self-esteem. Uh, but then I remembered what happened when I was 30 and the immense failure I felt. Uh, so when I was 30, I had had a little dating experience with my friend Jordan, and that ended right as I was moving to Peru for the summer. And when I got to Peru, Jordan was like, hey, we can't be friends anymore. This isn't going to work out. If you can't date me for real, then we can't be together, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that ended. I was super sad about that. Um, I would even say depressed. And then I got fired. Like my job in Peru fired me halfway through the summer. And uh, I was in northern Peru, like pretty close to Ecuador. And I, like I got fired and I had to come back to the U.S., but I couldn't get a flight out for like five days. And I planned a trip to Ecuador like in those five days. So I was like, I'm not going to go to Ecuador. My 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 partner who I was working with said, no, still go. Like have your adventures. I went to Ecuador by myself for the weekend and just like felt terrible the whole time, had an awful time. And my mom had given me this ring when I left on my mission that said return with honor on it that I still wore. And I remember looking at that like, I am not returning with honor after my summer in Peru, like I failed, like I have been fired. Um, and that felt really terrible. And then I got back to the US. Uh, I told Jordan that I had changed my mind and I was going to pick him over the church. And then he said, no, thank you. You, you would uh, choose a church over me in the future. So I couldn't even like have this person I loved. And in the middle of all this, I was in a PhD program that I didn't like, that I didn't want to go back to and didn't want to finish. And it was like everything in my life had fallen apart. Um, and I felt like I was failing everything, except in my classes. I was getting straight A's in my classes. So g g yay for the win. I, I guess um, nothing but A's. I don't want to say use gendered language or uh, call them straight A's. Who knows how they self-identified. Um, so, so, so in the midst of all this, like I am fired. I am embarrassed. I'd had this relationship that ended. I hate my program. And I go home to Washington where all my family lives. And we're sitting around there, like all of us. And then just like spontaneously, everyone starts telling stories of when they had been fired and we're laughing our heads off because everyone in my family at some point had been fired from a job like mostly just like small things but everyone had been fired and we're just like laughing and that made me feel so much better um just like knowing that other people had been in a very similar position tied but one of my brothers had even been fired three times from jobs <laughs> he's very successful now um and <laughs> And, uh, and that was just like so healing for me. And, you know, I don't know like what makes people feel like people, like different things make different people feel better. Um, but for me, like if we'd sat around, I'd be like, I'm fired, I'm sad. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's hard. You know, this thing happened and I'm having this hard time too. Like that isn't what I need. Like I didn't need to commiserate. I didn't need to like feel sad. I like needed the laughter and the seeing that other people were going through the same thing. And then, you know, I just kind of like pulled it all back together. I was like, you know what? I can do one more semester of my program. And I did, and then I ended up finishing. And um, and, and I just like kind of got to, to put everything, like like that, that was a moment that happened. And it was a long, hard moment, but I was able to, to move through it. And Charlie, I wonder, are there ever moments when, when you felt like you were failing? Um, <clears throat> probably, but I actually had another thought that I wanted to share, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, I, Joey, as you were talking, I noticed that a lot of the things, I guess I'm curious to know, like, by what standards are we considering ourselves a failure? Because when you were talking, Joey, it sounded like it wasn't so much as like failures, but this like lack of perfection or lack of like meeting unrealistic expectations you had for yourself. Is that, I, I don't want to like put words into your You're mouth that's for sure <laughs> well because because i heard you say like i i'm doing all these amazing things and yet i'm not doing them perfectly or i still struggle internally with whether or not it's where i want to be 
And so it was like, and, and, and you, you mentioned all of these like external things that you thought would make you feel completely fulfilled and you're doing the external things and there's parts of you that still have conflict or tension or like struggle with certain aspects of your identity, your faith, your career. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm curious, like how that lack of perfection translates into I'm a failure. Um, is it okay if I share an experience I had recently that got me started thinking about this? Yeah. Um, so I see, um, I ca- I've occasionally visited um, a prisoner in prison, David, and he um, been locked up for like almost a decade and he's Christian and queer and has never met anyone who's queer in prison and has never talked to anyone who's Christian and queer. And so as I started visiting him, I was the first one to really talk to him. And I think I just realized he felt like he was failing for the past, like so many years. I mean, he obviously had done something to end up in prison, but uh, just as I was hearing him, I was like, are you kidding me? Like you spend your money because no one visits you in prison. You spend that money on buying gifts for their prisoners who don't have money to like buy shoes or like jackets or things. And I'm like, you're doing great. Like you still care. You still pray to God. Like you're trying, like you're doing good enough and realizing that God probably feels the same about me and that it's almost within me feeling like I'm failing or that the fact that I'm not perfect, that I'm not living up to expectations that I will never be able to, um, that I not only draw closer to God, but I was able to draw closer to David and he was able to draw closer to me. And he felt so seen and heard in ways that like, I didn't even know, like it was so meaningful him just to know that he wasn't alone in that struggle. Um, And so just thinking about it, I guess I just also, the thing is some people probably have already figured this out. I'm like 26. I'm pretty young. You know, y'all have already probably figured this out. But I think in my mind, I'm just like, especially other people's like perceptions of me. I think a lot of things I just mentioned are things that other people have mentioned to me. But you have a PhD you're going to next year. Like this, take this gap year. It's good for you. Like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You're living in the Caribbean. Wow. Like, I wish I could do that. Like a lot of this external, I think they're trying to validate, but it's it's hard because I feel like, oh, but they don't know this or they don't know that in the back of my head. Um, so you feel like a little bit of an imposter. Ah, yeah. Um, or I guess I have at times and I guess I realize that I don't, the, for me, the solution has been to talk about it and not to talk about it, but also to hear someone else talk about it. And so my thought process was, um, you know what, I can get vulnerable and talk about all the ways I feel like I'm messing up in some ways. And if that can help anybody like who's struggling, whether it be a queer who's still single um, or, you know, someone who's struggling with their transition with their pronouns and names and feeling like, oh, I thought this name was my like name and it's not. And how do I tell my family again now? Like, or parents who are struggling with their kids, like, um, that, uh, if there's any, that hopefully you'll feel less alone in your lack of perfection, knowing that, um, that I'm not either, that we're not either, um, Especially, I don't know, Charlie and Ben, I don't know for either of you, but um, I feel like being, um, like having written books and having this podcast that a lot of people perhaps compare themselves to you, even if internally, not externally to you, um, that perhaps it's this idea that so like they have to like be you or live up to you and how like, I mean, I think Ben, you've shared that story before, but I remember you sharing that story before, at least to me personally and feeling like, oh my gosh, wow, like if Ben got fired from a job, like, it's okay that my car got impounded, you know, like. <laughs> Joe, one of the things that I, I, I'm hearing you say is that even with successes in your life, sometimes it's, it can be hard to notice or focus on those, but also it can be really helpful to see that we're not alone, that that even people that, that we look up to have mistakes or, or, or things in their life aren't always perfect. And yeah. Well, I heard that in your story too, Ben. You shared about how like all of a sudden your family started talking about every time they got fired from a job and how amazing that was. And you laughed and it was great. And like, 
I'm hearing that how much that helped you. And I'm, I saw how much that helped David and I don't know, Charlie, like, um, you probably have more questions to ask me, but I, I guess I would like to hear on your side, have there been times in your life that you felt that or. Oh, absolutely. Like there's been so many times that I've tried for something and felt like I was actually just talking about it with, I ran into one of my old um, high school coaches a couple days ago because I was um, at home in Missouri and they were like, oh my gosh, I remember when you ran for student body president your sophomore year and you put like together this big production. I worked for like months on this production, this huge campaign and I like performed and I like really cared and I wanted it so bad. Um, and then I lost the election because somebody threw out candy, like, like somebody else threw out candy and didn't prepare a speech. They're just like, I don't have a speech, but here's some candy. And everyone voted for them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hate everything. I tried so hard and I'm so embarrassed. And I put my heart out on the line and showed everyone how much I cared and nobody cared about me. Um, and I mean, I could, I, I feel like every person alive just has this Rolodex of things they've tried, but it hasn't like come to fruition this, the way they wanted. Um, and that's like, when I think about it, it's like one of my most embarrassing moments. I don't know why it's embarrassing to care about something. I don't know why it feels embarrassing to care. And then like, if other people don't care, if you don't like get it the way you want it, I'm not sure where that comes from, but Joey, as you were talking, I was thinking like, this is like so indicative of the plan of salvation. Like we are literally come here to fail. That is our job on earth is to fail as we try to become like Christ and then use the atonement to make up for our failures. So it, it's almost like this inverse like way of, of thinking that like, if, if we don't feel like we're ever failing, then we completely remove the necessity of a savior. And then that's like Satan's plan. And I don't know. I feel like it's so easy to see in everybody else, but it's hard to see in yourself. Yeah, 100%. Um, Charlie, is it okay if I comment on something you just said? Yeah. Um, you were just sharing, you're like, um, I don't know why, like, like, it's an embarrassing moment for caring so much. And at least for me, I think it's the fact that, like, I cared so much about this thing, like sharing something that brings me happiness or meant something to me. And then having failed at it is even more vulnerable than just sharing the hard part is because behind mm -hmm. the hard part was like, I actually genuinely wanted this to happen. Like I've been scared to share like happy news in my life because like, but what if it doesn't work out? I'm trying not to care about it. Um, like I care a lot about privacy and I realize that part of that is because I don't want people to even know about the happy things going on in my life because if they do, then perhaps like they're like oh how did it go with the phd and like what if i didn't get into any programs you know like i would be really sad because i worked really hard at that um right and i'm reminded as you're talking about the plan of salvation our whole purpose here is to fail um there was a scripture ben i don't know if you remember it um it's just coming off the top of my head i'm totally paraphrasing here but like when the whole honor code thing went down at byu i was like really excited and i felt really seen but it was also really hard when the whole like reversal stuff happened and that was something that I, I felt I was failing at because I had been working at BYU to try and help make it a better place. And it was outside of my control. And um, Ben and me and a few other friends, we were just chatting and the scripture came to our mind. And it's like Dr. Carmen's like one twenty three seventeen I think. Um, and it's something like, wherefore, dearly beloved, let us cheerfully do all in our power. And then when we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And that was awesome. That was like 95% right. You got the reference right too. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's like the spirit is no here. failure here. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I did fail a little bit, you know, and I think that's the idea, but I did my best and I tried and yada, yada, yada. Like it's, the whole point of this, like, I remember feeling that scripture and just feeling like, you know what, I'm doing everything I can this sucks right now and it does and life is going to suck but i feel so close to god right now even in this super sucky moment 
and um, I feel close to my friends and I feel close to my loved ones and um, this sucks, but um, I want to keep on trying. And I did. I went and got another degree and graduated from BYU again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, you know, I think that's such a, such a powerful truth that we can just do our best. You know, what I love about that scripture, you know, it says cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. It's like, in the end, it, this is God's work and, and his power. And, and, you know, we are his work and his glory. And so if, if we're just, you know, cheerfully doing what we can, uh, we can trust that, that God will ultimately do his work. And, you know, I, I think that goes along with what you're saying, Charlie, like, like we're, like we're meant to come here and, and try things and fail. Um, but ultimately it's through the atonement of Jesus Christ and, and his power and his grace that, that all of our failures will be turned for our good and be sanctified. Yeah. You're saying to trust the process, Ben. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which is really hard <laughs> when, you're, when you're in the middle of the process. Like, like I, I, I think about like, like 30 year old me who felt like everything was failing in his life and someone saying, Oh, Ben, like trust the process, you know, God's going to sanctify this. I would have been like, oh, I know you're right, but this still sucks right now. You know? And yeah. I, it's like allowing things to, to, to be hard while they're hard and, you know, just like, you know, walk, walk with the people that you, that you got with you and, and, and it, it won't be so hard in the future. Can I share thoughts off of something you just said, Ben? Um, it just occurred to me that like the times that's been the hardest, like I logically knew when the whole honor code thing went down and you probably logically knew when, you know, you got fired from a job and Charlie, you know, you logically knew that, you know, like when you did win the election that you would be fine, but like, it still sucked. And like it, like, at least for me, it hurt and it was hard. Um, and so part of that is of course, logically knowing that we're going to be okay. This conservation, but also just validating that it might suck and that that's part of our baptismal covenants is to, I like, I like to think of it like mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, even when it's outside of your comfort zone. So even if you don't understand, like, for example, like, um, I remember that, um, I had a boyfriend and we broke up and that was really hard for me. And I was talking to it with a friend and I knew that, um, she didn't support the idea of me dating. Um, and, she shared with me, she's like, you know what? I don't understand why this is so painful, but I want you to know that I can see the pain in you. And I recognize how hard this is. Please let me know how I can be here for you right now. And thinking that we don't need to totally fix the issue. And in fact, we shouldn't fix the issue. Like Ben, when you were saying like, you know, people told you like when you're 30, like, yeah, but it sucks now. Like you logically knew it was going to get better, but effective like, but right now it's not. And this is an opportunity for, I feel like this friend of mine in that opportunity helped me draw closer to Christ and help me feel loved, even when she didn't change her mind about things or what she believed. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it is really helpful when there's other people with you. I mean, both of you shared experiences where having somebody else with you in your low moments helped. Um, I also think it's really important to not wear failure goggles. <clears throat> Cut that mic. Okay. Um, I also think it's really important to not wear failure goggles. I think we do that a lot. And I, I actually, as we've been talking, thought of like two ways that it's possible. Um, I thought of another one of my failures that ultimately became a success when I had to trust the process. A couple months ago, I made my wedding cake. And it was like this six-tier, like masterpiece it was a huge cake i had like this really big vision for it and i was collaborating with like a local baker she's a byu student and we were like having fun and we were making this cake and it was going really well and then like 75 percent in things just started going so wrong like one of the cakes like slid and was like falling off and then we were like oh my gosh and it just all of a sudden everything we've spent so much time and effort and money on it and then we were almost done and <laughs> Ryan's sister was making mac and cheese for her little kid. He's like three. And she was telling a story with the spatula to her, like her nanny. And she was like, and I just like, couldn't believe. And when she like, she like made a big hand gesture and the mac and cheese spatula, like 
slammed into the cake that was sitting on the counter, like one of the ones that was done. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like half is like everything's going wrong. And the, this like nice girl that I'm decorating the cake with is like on the verge of like an emotional breakdown. <laughs> um and we just we just went through it. We're like it was an accident. We don't care. We'll just redecorate that one. And we did. And it was better when we redid it. And we just kept working on it. And we kept, like, almost crying, but not. <laughs> and then at the end, we finished. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. Like, it's so pretty. And then we were, like, so giddy and happy. And it had been, like, 13 hours or whatever. Um, so at the wedding, it got covered in flowers. It was gorgeous it's in this beautiful setting it was professionally photographed the photos i have of this cake are immaculate like they look like i can't even explain to you how perfect it looks and no (laughs) no the mac and cheese is gone but um that's what people are going to see right that's what everyone at the wedding they were like almost a thousand people there (laughs) it was a big wedding and everyone saw like this perfect cake and they didn't see like the blood, sweat, and tears behind it. And I think that's really indicative of like what happens. Like rarely, like when I wrote, like I wrote my book, and everyone's like, "You, you, Joey mentioned people like comparing themselves to me for writing a book." Like nobody knows how many nights I stayed up, how many meetings, how many times the book got denied. Like the the failure, like the failure goggles keep us seeing our own failures and never being realistic about the yeah. process that somebody else went through to get there. And so I think if you're doing that, anybody else who compares their wedding cake that they made to the one I made or whatever, like you just can't do that. Cause that'll just make you feel like crap the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like one failure goggles. Just do either of you have like a comment on that? Cause I do have another failure goggle. <laughs> No, I, I think it's really good to understand, like, like no one's life is going to be perfect. So if we're comparing ourselves to someone else's life, like that's just going to be uh, unhealthy and, and unrealistic. Like, I think if we if we could see into the like deep recesses of, of everyone's life, like everyone's life it has a, a large measure of disappointment in it and 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 unmet expectations. And, you know, then that's even what, like like for people who have like good, wonderful, beautiful lives, like everyone's life has had disappointments in it and, and mm-hmm. hard times. So I think if we could actually see everyone's lived experience, we would probably be a lot kinder to those around us and ultimately to ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like you have to realize that everybody else is a child of God who chose salvation. So everybody else is failing and they are like came to earth to fail. So, and I don't know, it speaks a lot to perfectionism culture and like social media and church culture, like dressing up and getting pretty for church and like, I, I think there's a lot of ways that our culture like feigns perfectionism, but if you like really believe that we're all equal children of God, then you have to be super honest with yourself about the fact that everybody fails. Everybody needs disappointment. Everybody like nobody courageous ever feels courageous. Like nobody who's ever done anything successful feels like they merit that level of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you're wearing those goggles that say, I'm the one who fails and everybody else has got their stuff together, like that's just like purposely making yourself feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And and I do believe like, I, I do believe in empathy and compassion and self, um, I guess self-compassion. Um, but I don't believe in self-loathing and I do believe in positive psychology. And like we can't always control like what happens or our emotional reaction, but we can choose the way we respond to things. We can choose what we say to ourselves, And if we choose to tell ourselves lies, like I'm a failure, I never get anything right and back it up with like evidence from all the other times we've failed. Like, why would you not choose to back it up with evidence of the times that you've persevered or been courageous or stuck it out or, found success you know like i really believe that we can choose the angle we look at ourselves with especially when the angle i might be looking at myself with is like maybe like i'm thinking of behind the scenes of all the things oh but they don't know that i got this wrong and comparing it to all the external 
like mm-hmm. compliments or like validations that I'm getting. For example, like all the people compliment you on your book, Charlie, they don't know all the times it was rejected or how many nights you stood up for these things. And so it's like that balance of taking the external validation, I guess, while also like, being like you know what, I am doing pretty good. You know, like I've tried and maybe they don't know that, but that doesn't mean that um, because they don't know about my failures that I'm somehow like lying or failure or imposter or whatever. Right. Um, well, it also goes back to like, what are you using to judge whether or not you're a failure, right? Like mm. other people's perception of you doesn't determine whether or not you're a failure. Like you, you get to decide that. Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult. But at the end of the day, like you and the people around you, like the, the few people that you really care about, like that's who matters. And if you can draw from that internal place of self-worth, then it'll be a lot easier to take off those comparison failure goggles and be like, oh, no, I actually feel super confident with who I am. And I'm not failing because I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, like, I think you only fail if you give up. That sounds you like know. a throw pillow once. <laughs> exactly. It's true. Like, all of these are like, little sayings like nobody's perfect. That's a Hannah Montana song. People have been struggling with this concept since the beginning of time, right? We're not, we're not um, unique in this, but there's power there because of it. Yeah. And it's true. Nobody's perfect. You got to work it again and again until you get it right. Shut up. You look good. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a Hannah Montana singing pen that sang that song every time you hooked it. Anyway, that's, um, no, that's a tangent. Um, but Charlie, what are some practical ways that, or, or Joe even, you know, what are some practical ways someone can take off these, these failure goggles? Like what can people actually do if they're like, oh, I had these goggles on. What do I do? How do I take them off? Um, I had like a story that I actually like, it's a great leadway question to like a story I thought about sharing, um, which I think I can share. It involves someone else, but they've given me permission. So I think it's fine. Um, Just give them their, their, their name and address first. Okay. Okay. And the social security ah. number, um, which actually could give their name and address. Cause I live there. It's about Austin. So, um, who's been on the podcast before. So, um, elder Holland gave this, um, am I allowed to say his name? Is that okay? Um, there Wait, was Austin, elder Holland's name. Elder Holland. <laughs> I, I think you're allowed to say his name. Yeah. Okay. to share Austin's name. No, I felt Elder Holland. Like, so he gave, so anyways, there was a devotional by Elder Holland that was really impactful to me and it hurt me a lot. And it like, I think it hurt me less than it did of like, I just knew how certain people um, were reading this and interpreting this and that certain people started using that as um, kind of like ammo against me. And it really hurt um, when I was just trying to do my best. Um, and it happened on a Monday and on Monday nights, we had this like scripture reading group with Austin and a few of his friends. And Ben, you had just left. And um, one of our friends, Bert, just turned and asked me, was like, hey, yeah, like that thing happened today. Like, how are you doing? And this is a group of people that I've known for maybe six weeks, right? But Austin has known them for many years. And, um, and it's a few other people. And uh, I just remember being like, like, do you want my polite answer or do you want my real answer? And they're like the real answer, obviously. And I just like started bowling about how hard it was and how I feel like I've been trying so hard to like make this work. And I feel like every time I feel like I've reached a point of congruency, something happens outside of my control. And then all of a sudden everyone is commenting on opinions about like what I should do, who I am or what I have or have not done. And, um, just feeling just really alone and um i'm like crying with like i don't know four to five not strangers but people i don't know very well and i said like i'm i'm really sorry about um like i know you all don't know me that well but i'm still really grateful that you've taken this time to listen to me um when i feel like i'm a mess and one of the members there of the group tad which I've only seen like twice since that one time. And she turned to me and she's like, I don't feel bad at all. Like, I'm grateful to be able to be here with you because we love you and we're your friend and we just want to hear you. 
And um, as much as I was sitting there crying, feeling like, oh, this sucks. I look over in the corner and there's Austin who's also crying and he's closeted and no one knows. These are all his friends he's had for years <laughs> that no one knows that, you know, he's gay. I mean, I know and I think Ben, you knew at that point. Mm-hmm. And all these things, they've been complimenting me and like supporting me and validating me all. And like the fact they're doing this with a random stranger meant something for Austin too. And so as far as like taking off the failure goggles, I think part of taking off the failure goggles for me has been like taking off the perfectionist goggles and like being okay with that I'm a failure and sharing those things instead of like hiding them. Because by sharing those things, like in that moment, by sharing what was hard, not even a way that I thought I could have imagined it helped someone. Like I couldn't have even like planned that, that Austin's like four to five, like closest friends were all there that night, that day that something happened and he's closeted no one knows. And here they are like supporting me and in an indirect way supporting him. And I wish I could hear his thoughts on it, but um, I just know that it was meaningful um, to me and to him, I think even more to him. So by sharing, it's kind of like why I decided to do the podcast and be here. It's like by sharing the ways in which we failed it. Like we humanize ourselves and we give permission for other people to do the same. Yeah. Love that. Thank you, Joey. And that's awesome. You know, that's such a good example of how by, by showing like love and kindness and concern and compassion for one person, we're actually helping all the people around us who see us doing that uh, indirectly for them or like to them. Yep. Um, another thing I was thinking about is I feel like if you're trying to find self-fulfillment in an outcome, then it's likely never going to happen. Um, and, and I think that that kind of ties to this other, like the other failure goggles that I was thinking of. Um, I've worked with a lot of LGBTQ individuals and it seems like many, myself included sometimes feel like all of our problems stem from our orientation somehow because it's so like convoluted in our lives. Like it's a part of who we are. So it, I feel like sometimes it gives like an inaccurate view of the pain we go through. And I really don't want that to sound like invalidating to like real discrimination and real pain that comes from a minority identity. However, I, I've just seen time and time again, how sometimes people, um over you know what i'm trying to say ben uh-huh. like it, it's like everyone has pain and they like overvalue the pain that comes from their orientation and i think that can be really destructive internally if you're like under the guise that every negative emotion you ever have comes from this part of you that you don't have control over that can be really um disempowering and so i think it's important to accurately view like who you are and like what's actually happening um a lot of people i work with have depression or anxiety or divorced parents or have lost a loved one and there's like untapped grief and all of these things they like because the orientation one is visible and understandable they like attach every bad thing they've ever felt to that thing and call it the same bucket but it's not um and so i think when that happens they're thinking well if i just come out then all my problems will go away if i just transition all my problems will go away if i just date or if i don't date or like whatever this outcome is with my identity or orientation, they think that's going to solve everything and then they're going to feel fulfilled, but that's not true. I've, so. I've seen that with parents too, of queer kids. Like then you and I both read a book called, this is how it always is. And it's a novel, but it's called that way because these parents, like they have a trans kid after having four kids and kind of like the main thesis of the book is like, there's there's going to be these issues and of course as you said Charlie not to minimize all the things that come with the discrimination and like the prejudice these things but how like sometimes at least for me the times in which I have felt like almost most validated with different parts of my identity and and not like has been the times where it wasn't about me being gay 
or being queer or whatever. And that someone just validated that and that they didn't try and make it about my identity either. Like they just saw pain and like, you know, I don't get why, and I don't want to assume why you're feeling this, but I can understand feeling alone or feeling like a failure or whatever. Um, like even within this conversation, right? Like, as far as I know, neither of you like I like identify as trans or genderqueer in any way, but I have felt validated by both of you at times and like have felt supported and it didn't have to do with my identity. And of course there's a shared queered identity, but um, I think part of that is just feeling like misunderstood or just feeling alone or just even the things we've been talking about now, I'm like, yes, that's how I felt. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. <laughs> Ben, you were going to say something earlier before I cut you off. <laughs> oh, um, I, I was just thinking that, uh, you know, it's it's really good and healthy. I think, you know, like you all were saying, to, to, to see, try and see ourselves holistically, you know, to look at um, the different aspects of our, of our lives and, and what's happening and really take some time to to, to dig into to what we're doing, who we're becoming and and the ways we're both succeeding and failing and also trusting that that, um, you know, this this is all a long process. So like, 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 like building a meaningful life, uh, is something that, that, that takes time. But the moment we start, like, like God is there helping us, you know, Charlie, your favorite book is the alchemist, correct? Mm -hmm. There's this line in it that says like, uh, it's something about like the universe conspiring to help you. What's the line? Uh, I don't know. That's like a theme in the book. Yeah. But, but yeah, like there's like these omens and like the universe wants to help this kid, you know, like things will come together and it's like a journey, but at the end, like you, you got to trust the goodness there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just like that. I, that I think is a, is, is something that's cool that when we are, that when we like are sincerely trying like the universe and you know, in this case, God, you know, conspires to to help us move forward and, and to help us make it happen. And that doesn't mean it's it's an, it's an easy journey. Like it's a journey, but still, there's um, there, there's heavenly power there that, that that is like wanting us to succeed. Um, there was a question you asked earlier, Ben, about like ways in which we can what was it take off the failure goggles or perfectionist goggles? Um, and I thought of another way. It's like by asking for help. Um, I was just thinking about a professor I had who really struggled with my pronouns, got them wrong over and over again. It was really hurtful and really hard. Um, and I felt I was failing communicating how to use my pronouns. Um, and he, I look back and of course he felt he was failing by getting it wrong. And he came up with this great idea. We're in a 10 student class, really small that ever he's like, he announced it in front of the class. He's like, first, I think I need to publicly apologize because I publicly have hurt Joey. And I was like, dumbfounded. This is like a full professor at BYU. Um, and then he said, and I need help of how to get Joey's pronouns. And obviously I'm not trying to put the responsibility on any of you. However, I would like to reward you for helping me. Every time I get Joey's pronouns wrong, um, 10 points will go to the first person that corrects me immediately, not after class, immediately. We'll get 10 bonus points. And he's like, and it turned into almost this game. And he's like, and see there, I'll get Joey's pronouns down or you'll all have the highest grade that I've ever given. Right. And, um, 10 points became, for Hufflepuff. wait, say that again. Sorry. And lots of points for Hufflepuff. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, there's a lot of Ravenclaws. This was graduate school, you know? And I like, it became this fun game where like people weren't scared themselves to go out and to like, be like, Oh, it's, you know, it's they, or it's them. And then at the same time, they started correcting each other, even though they weren't getting extra credit points, they just felt comfortable doing so. And I just took this huge burden off of me where I didn't feel like I was feeling anymore because I had done my best to try to explain it. And then at the same time, the professor, he was also doing his best. And it turned into this beautiful opportunity where everyone was okay with making mistakes and messing up my pronouns because they had all seen it and they had all publicly acknowledged it. And then they would there be there and support each other. And it almost gave permission to mess up and it gave permission to keep trying. And it was just like this beautiful thing. So like to be able to ask for help then also provides another person opportunity to also ask for help as well. Um, like the best thing you can do when ministering is to not just what do you need, but also ask them to help you almost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which awesome. of course it does. I just am feeling like I'm failing at communicating this. 
so thank you for sharing your stories and um there's, there's just a story from the scriptures that, that came to mind as i was considering this, this this episode and it's probably no surprise but i was thinking of of the story of nephi and uh i think in second nephi chapter four we get a very clear sense of someone who felt, felt like a failure uh you know the the chapter starts out with with lehi giving his final blessing and then lehi dies and then the then layman and lemuel and nephi and sam and their families they they separate and everything has really fought like like literally fallen apart like nephi is supposed to be the leader and and he's fallen apart and and he's you know this is when he says you know oh wretched man that i am um and then in second nephi 4 verses uh 18 and 19 he says i am compassed about because of the temptations and the sins which do so easily beset me and when i desire to rejoice my heart groaneth because of my sins I think that's such a such a relatable thing. Like, like he wants to be happy, he wants to rejoice, and yet he's he's groaning because of the, these mistakes he feels he's making. And he says, "Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted." And you know, I know Second Nephi chapter four is is a favorite for for many Latter-day Saints because they they get like they feel that way, like they they feel sometimes like, "Oh, wretched man that I am, I want to rejoice, but but I groan." Um, and you know, Nephi is experiencing, you know, not just the failure of, you know, in, in his mind that the sins he's committing, the temptations he has, but also the ways that, that he didn't keep his family together. And, and that's really hard. He says, but you know, I, I know in whom I've trusted, I, I trust in God, but still the, those feelings as you read the chapter come up again and again of like, I feel like I'm failing, but God is there and helping me and blessing me. And, uh, I'm just really grateful for the people who have allowed me to, to express times when I feel like I'm struggling and failing and, and who are there to lift, lift me up and, and trust me and, and help me, uh, you know, take the next step and, and, and try again. Take the next right step. We can cut that out. It's just a frozen two reference. I think Ben, what you're trying to say is shut up. You look good. <laughs> Yes, I mean the this this tween room has been so good for me. <laughs> Shut up, everyone! You're not failing. Like you, like you might feel like you are, but you're doing better than you think. You're here right now. You know, you're listening to podcast. You're doing something, and that's meaningful. Um, yeah, there's a great devotional by JB Hawes. Wrestling with comparisons that I love. That if you'd like to hear more about feeling like a failure and comparing, I, you can listen to. But other than that, um, thanks for allowing me to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for letting me share my failures, and uh, thank you for sharing yours too. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. We'll catch everyone next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Larry Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until, Until next time. time.